I feel the need. The need for a podcast exploring the films and career of Tom Cruise. Welcome to Cruise Views. No comments about that. That's fine. That's pretty, pretty normal one, really. We don't need to... We don't need to... That's fine. We don't need to go over it. I mean, maybe you want to do it a few different times and, you know, see if you get any different takes out of it, you know. Not really. No. Hello, and welcome to Cruise Views. The podcast all about alien blood imbiber Tom Cruise. Uh, we're trying to find out how he became one of our last ever movie stars by reviewing all of his films in chronological order. This week we're in 2014 for the sci-fi action film Edge of Tomorrow. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm joined, as always, by my very own full metal bitch, Tom Ashford. I'll take that. Yeah? Hi. You like that? Yeah. Do you like yeah. that? That's full good. metal bitch. Yeah, yeah, it's a good nickname. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a good nickname. Um, and it sort of undercuts a lot of the, um, it, it, it's kind of like so ludicrous because I think actually the treatment of like the the female character in this movie is like really good. And so to kind of yeah. undercut that with like uh, a, a a like playfully misogynistic uh, nickname is, is quite funny. Uh, it's just one of the things about this movie that I like. What is the full-time score? Do you know the full-time score, or are you saving this for another time, or what's going on? Is this uh, the England versus USA football match that is happening right now as we're recording? Is I it do happening not know. right now, or I has it finished? I don't want to know. I do not want to know, Adam. Okay. It's probably finishing right this second. If there's Maybe there's some extra time. Maybe there's some extra time. It has finished. Don't tell me the score, Adam. I know the score. Right. Okay? Just, just don't. No, I'm not going to, but I could. This is a this is a so, UK slash USA household. Yes, I've recorded exactly. recorded instead of okay. watching the match, and All that's right. fine. And you've done that to be here this evening, which we're obviously yep. hugely appreciative, uh, appreciative of. Who are you supporting? Uh, UK. Okay. Well, that's not yeah. a team, is it? Well, I would have. I supported Wales versus Iran, and they fucked it. So yeah, yeah, that wasn't good. Uh, no. So you're supporting England. Your wife is obviously yeah, American. Did. So yep. she's supporting America. Um, I mean... Well, is, is she, though? Is she, though? Is she? Well, what's she doing? What, is, yeah. is she supporting America or what? Um, in, in, in her chat with her family, she's obviously supporting America. Mm. Uh, in reality, she's supporting England. I think in so, reality, it becomes increasingly difficult to support either team uh, or either country in any of their endeavours. But that's my personal yes. Yes. Yeah, sure. sort of thing. Yeah. That's my personal sort of thing. Or, in, in, or indeed, it's hard to support the entire World Cup held in Qatar. Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. It's difficult. We don't really want to wade into political issues on the podcast. But I will just no. briefly wade into uh, to football here. And I'll just tell you uh, that um, Google does like highlights videos, right? The Wales v Iran one is four and a half minutes long. The Brazil and Serbia one is three minutes. There's another few, like three and a half minutes, four minutes. Uh, the England versus USA one is under two minutes long. So look Ooh. forward to what promises to be an incredibly boring match from the yeah, looks of Yeah, I things. mean, I did, watch, <laughs> I did watch the first 25 minutes and no one had scored. Oh, so. really? Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, enjoy that. Um, yeah. Do you think you would enjoy it more? or less than the film that we're here to talk about today, which is the film I thought we were here to talk about last week, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I mean, if I had to rate them, uh, and I haven't gone so far to rate football matches on Letterboxd, despite your absolute (laughs) hatred for my ranking habits. I I think football matches are perfectly fine. 
They're about 90 right. minutes long. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they're, they're, feature they're one, length. Yeah, they're feature length. Documentaries. It's documentary, yeah. one narrative. I think that's fine. <laughs> sure. Good. <laughs> oh, I've got some I've got some backlogging to do. You really uh, do. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I would rate Edge of Tomorrow higher than the average football match, or indeed any okay, football cool. match. Well, I mean, Apart I would maybe rate... the 6-1 Panama match that I saw in a pub once, which was incredibly fun. 6-1 Panama match. Who were yeah, Panama you, playing? England. England versus You nearly Panama. said UK, didn't you? UK. You, you are aware that we, we Scotland... Are we're the important one. <laughs> Scotland, Wales, England and Ireland have their own football teams. Yes. Do and Ireland have their own football teams? beautiful countries. They're beautiful countries with smaller economies, and I forget about them, Adam. Do Ireland have their own football team? Do they have an, an Ireland, a Republic of Ireland and a Northern Ireland football team? I have no idea. Couldn't Am I wading you. into difficult territory here? We're getting into difficult territory in that into... we don't know enough about yeah. football to say whether entire countries have a team or not. Uh, well, no, but the, I, oh, I don't know. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay away from it, yeah. Tom. Um, you'd seen this movie before, 2014's Edge of Tomorrow. Adam, the first time I saw this was round your place once. What? I yeah, can't, I can't be you right. You showed me Edge of Tomorrow. Did I? Yeah. When? On what occasion? So many years ago. It was the same time that I I think, I have to presume, the same time mm. that we also watched The Room. Oh, wow. We did a double bill of one of yeah, the worst movies and, ever made and one of the best movies ever made. Yes. <laughs> okay. And you and you held both as the best movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I'm pretty sure, because I, I remember in my in my mind, I can remember your like living room. And I, that's, that's yeah, when yeah, I, yeah. I, I, fa- I first encountered your Nick Cave pillow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that I'd heard so much about. And I'm pretty sure Steve was there. Somebody else might have been there. I don't remember, but... Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I went to see this at the cinema. Um, I vaguely remember having actually actually watching this and being disappointed. Like, we only had uh, two pairs of 3D glasses because I do have the 3D Blu-ray, but I no longer have a 3D TV upon which I can watch it. Uh, But I did go see this in cinema in 3D, uh, and I remember the 3D being fine, you know? Um. I can't remember one that when that was. How do you feel about 3D, Adam? Look, how do I feel about 3D? (sighs) Let me sum up my thoughts. Look, I don't like the light loss, okay? Yeah. I don't like the 30% light loss. It's not something I enjoy, okay? I don't... (laughs) (laughs) You really hate it in the evening, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) But as soon as it ticks over to 31%, I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. It's just a very specific point of the evening that I'm really fucked off with how little light <laughs> there is. Um, I think it well, depends a case by case basis, isn't it? Look, like it on some films is pointless. I think the way the way for for a period wasn't it just plastered onto, and they're going to come up. They're going to come up, wasn't it? Just sort of plastered yeah. onto all of the Marvel movies that were released around. Sort of when 3D was... Some of them, like, yeah. yeah. But it was really half asked sort of plastering. Yeah, like, yeah post-conversion sort of thing. They yeah. weren't filmed in 3D. They weren't filmed and in I 3D don't, in mind. I don't really know anyone, certainly nobody sane, who would pay the extra to see Iron Man 3, for example, in 3D. Right, yeah. What exactly. benefit do you get from that for yeah. the extra cost? 
Like um, Avatar, I understand. I saw that in 3D. That was designed filmed, to be in 3D. That was a showcase specifically, for specifically. The- yes, yeah. exactly. And I think that that is a really good example of very well done 3D in what I think is quite a boring movie. But whatever. Sure. I'm looking forward to the way of water, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's uh, like it feels like it should be the way of the water or something, but it's the way yeah. of water. I'm obviously going to p- paint my face blue when I go see it. Of course. And I'm going to braid Everyone my hair. Everyone will think you're Papa Smurf, but that, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to wear my white hat. Red hat. <laughs> Wait, what, what colour hat does he wear? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I won't see that in 3D probably because... Yeah, no, you've got to wa- see it in 3D. I don't... I, yeah, but also I like it just looking shiny and bright. No, you've got to see that in 3D. Come on. I'll have to pay extra. And Jenny's... No, what? you don't. It's, come on. How long have you had your unlimited card with cinema? Well, that's the thing. Right, that's the thing. And I, ooh, I'm going to have to kick off on this, Adam. <laughs> right. Jenny and I had yeah. a year's prepaid subscription, right? Yeah. Which then couldn't renew because it was a prepaid thing, right? But, but right. literally two days after mine ran out, I phoned up and went, okay, I want the monthly on. Yeah. To switch it to a monthly, et cetera. And now I've got a red card being sent to me. Despite the fact it's the same account because it's new yeah. subscription, so they 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 fucked up there. Jenny did the exact same thing. Waited like a month and a half before renewing. Black card straight sent to her, so there she can go. go and see it for no extra money, and I'll have to drop five quid for a pair of three D glasses. It's not. It's ninety p. Anyway, it, <laughs> like, I don't care. They're not fine. <laughs> Ah, it's I'll pay an extra five quid to see ET and IMAX, but I'm not paying five quid for a pair of three D glasses. Here's 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 something else. Okay, you've got to go see that in three D because it's made for three D. It's one of the only three D movies this year, I reckon. Uh, yeah, um, and also they're one of the only two three D movies that have ever actually been designed for three D. As opposed no, to, there's been a bunch. There's been a bunch. That's what I was going to say. Like the ones that are designed for it work, and and those like kind of like oscillate from like very serious like avatar and it's like oh look at the depth of the screen or whatever and then there's films like brendan fraser's journey to the center of the earth which i saw in 3d in the cinema and it's people okay. like flinging tape measures out of the screen and stuff and you're like whoa 3d is wacky and i think they're both very good and it's the ones that are all post converted that i don't really care about having said okay. that a few weeks ago i went to see what must it be the 40th 45th yeah the something anniversary of jaws okay the original jaws and it was post converted into 3d okay and i really enjoyed it so i also think that there is an argument for representing a film that's always been seen a certain way representing it in a different way and you getting something new out of it and sometimes that's 3d really enjoyed jaws in 3d because that film has a lot of depth to it i guess you have like the boat in the center of the frame and then there's just nothing but ocean that stretches behind it and it works really well um so i go back and forth on 3d you know with a film like that that is a classic very well made film what jaws yeah shocking hot take (laughs) right but then they've they've applied the 3d to it for a new experience like you Mm -hmm. said that's very Mm -hmm. different from like final destination 5 where they just go yeah we filmed a film and now we're going to add some wacky 3D effects to it. And that, that doesn't... Yes. That, that's not a good film that's then had, you know, it 3D added No, that's what I'm it. saying. It was, it was, it was yeah. interesting to see a classic sure. film represented in a certain way. Um, here's a little tip for you, though, Tom. Okay. 
because when I went to see Jaws 3D, I've I've just ticked over to the black card experience, okay? And I have to say, I have to say, the twenty five percent off of the concession stand is is excellent. You know that that you really do see magnificent savings if you've got the black card and i do recommend did you take advantage of their little little period at one point over the summer where they were going like oh we got free, free popcorn, popcorn free ice cream then, free drink yeah i got them all yeah, yeah it was insane jenny and i built up a, 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 a like four popcorns at one point we had yep. a popcorn each we were like this is ludicrous like how? yeah I, I didn't even need dinner i i did them no. in one go i got popcorn drink and ice cream yeah it was great yeah i had a great day uh but Here's a little it's tip. Probably why they're going bankrupt. When I, when I went to see T- top tip from Tom, stop doing that. We're already paying you one and a half p- tickets for a month of films. Stop doing that. We'll pay for our own popcorn. Just let me see Black Adam and Barbarian on the same day for like half the price. <laughs> it's well worth getting that card. But anyway, I was on the yeah. red card when I went to see Jaws 3D. Okay. Book your tickets online, okay? Yeah. Print the tickets out from the collection thing, so you've already got the tickets, okay? Then you go up to the concession stand, you go, where do I get my 3D glasses for this? I've already got the ticket. And they just give you the glasses. Oh, my God. There you go. That's how you circumvent the upcharge, the 90p upcharge for the 3D thing. But, yeah, the black card is free anyway. Why are we talking about this? Uh, tell me. We've got a good film to discuss. I know. We're, we're like, behaving like we're discussing Oblivion or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talk to me about Edge of Tomorrow. Right. Well, it came out, and you'll like this, Adam. The US and the UK premieres happened at the same time. Well, they same day. Probably did. not exactly the same time. That would have been really unfortunate for one of the two countries. Well, actually, uh, Tom. The- actually, Tom. Uh, it was very close to being the same time. This Ooh. film had three premieres on the same day. Uh, one in London, yep. one in New York, and one in Paris. And Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt and Doug Lyman flew round the earth, oh. attending each premiere. One of them was at five in the morning. He'd have been sleepy, wouldn't he? Yeah, <laughs> sleepy little Thomas. But yes, anyway, mm. carry on, sorry. Yeah, so that was the 28th of May 2014. Yeah. Uh, the UK wide release was the 30th of May. Mm. And the USA had to wait until the 6th of June, Adam. Now I have a note on that, Tom. Oh, here we go. The 6th of June, okay? Yeah. It's an, it's an important date. I don't know if you knew that. Does it seem, bearing in mind the content of the film, and the content of the film is why they did this, does it seem disrespectful that this film was released on D-Day? Yeah, a little bit. It does a little bit, right? A little bit. Because they've just... I know, you I know... Mean, it's, it's sci-fi D-Day, yeah. It is a, a lot of respect for the people that, you know, took part in D-Day and a lot of people lost their lives. It does seem to somewhat trivialise it when you release a film that is just D-Day with aliens, doesn't it? Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. What a weird choice that was. I mean, anyway. it would trivialise it if you released Saving Private Ryan... No, now, no, I think that that film has a reverence to it. And oh, sure. That would actually be very respectful to release it on that day because that is a film that makes, uh, it's almost like a tribute to the people who, who went over the channel on, on D-Day. Whereas this film uh, yeah. doesn't really have that tone. You know what I mean? Now, I, I agree with you in that, in that I think that the, um, I don't think the filmmakers of uh, Edge of Tomorrow were going in to, 
you know, I don't think the script writers or the novelist was going, I really want to pay respect to these people. They were just kind of using it as a, you know, as, as a, a set piece, essentially, right? Which is yeah. fine. Um, whereas Saving Private Ryan, I think everyone going into it definitely had their intentions of like honouring and showing the, the, the horrors of, of what these people went through. Absolutely. But I think the marketing team res- responsible for the release date probably <laughs> yeah. just went, yeah, that'll be yeah. good, won't it? Get probably. some money in for that week, yeah. And that, that's, that doesn't play so well for me. I don't, no, think Spiel- it- I don't think Spielberg would be going, release it on that day. It has to be that day. <laughs> it's a weird that decision. That month, maybe. It? But yeah. like, you know, yeah. It's, it's just an odd decision for this kind of film. But okay, that's fine. Released yeah. on D-Day. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. Director Adam. Mm, director Doug. Adam. Lyman. Doug. Lyman. Um, he's made some films. He's made loads of films. That's actually not true. Yeah. He hasn't made loads of films at all. <laughs> I mean, he's made some that I've seen, and I will now tell them, tell you. Adam, I will now tell them to you. I will now tell them to you. <laughs> Allow Adam. me to recite the films of Doug Lyman. <laughs> the Born Identity. Yes, Mr. you have. And Mrs. Smith. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. The Wall. The wall. The Wait, wall. have you seen the wall? Is it? We are talking about the one with uh, Matt Damon in China. No, that's the Great is that a Wall. One? Yeah. Is it? This is I about two American wall, soldiers that are trapped by a lethal sniper with only an unsteady wall between them. It stars John good. Cena. No, no. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll stick with the uh, slightly problematic white savior role of Matt Damon. Yeah, okay, fine. As the last Chinese war... I fucking know what that film's about. American Made. He made American Made. That's a good one. Well, we're going to talk about that at another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also lined up for the upcoming Top Cruise slash SpaceX program. Top Cruise? Top Cruise? (laughs) Top Cruise. Top Cruise? Um, Yeah, he is. Is Why uh, not? Isn't that called Lunar Park? I'm I'm looking at IMDb here. Oh, Right, so he is also working on a film called Luna Park that I recognise, but then could find very little detail about. Um, okay, I thought they were the same thing, uh, Luna Park maybe they and, are. and the one that's filmed in space. I think they are, but maybe they're not, maybe they're not. But yes, he will be taking Tom Cruise to space, uh, which seems like a logical conclusion to the Tom Cruise sort of thing. He started as an yes. indie director, he started with things like Swingers and Go, which was kind of a bit of a... Um, I mean, Swingers is very famous for being the thing that launched the career of Vince Vaughn and Jean Favreau. Uh, Go is kind of a Pulp Fiction-y, kind of like greenlit after the success of Pulp Fiction, American indie kind of film. Uh, he also directed Jumper, which is fucking awful. Um, and yes, and then Ed- Edge of Tomorrow. Um, yeah. Reliable. And he's lined up to do Live, Die, Repeat and Repeat. He is. We'll talk about that more later. Yeah. But uh, he's 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 reliable. He has an interesting style, which again we'll we'll talk more about. I reckon. Writer Adam, mm-hmm. shall we discuss the writers? Yes. Of this film? Well, yeah. So first another, of all, there's an interesting thing uh, behind that as well. Yeah. Well, shall we start off with the novel, the the, the source material? Is it, it not? Is it not a graphic novel? It might be a graphic novel. I'm not going to discriminate, Adam. <laughs> a novel's a novel to you. Uh, yeah. It's all, all you need is kill, right? Yeah, which is a much better title, I have to say. It's a ludic- It's a really annoying, stupid title, and yet better than Edge yeah. of Tomorrow. It's yeah. great. Yeah, all you need um, is kill. Would at least get people's you know eyeballs rotating towards the the movie poster, wouldn't it? 
Tom Cruise's face and All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> it's, it's a light novel. Uh, it's a style of young adult novel, primarily targeting high school and middle school students. Um, popular in Japan, which is where it's from. Uh, I'm just learning this now. And then it, it's commonly illustrated with a manga art style. Okay, so okay. it's not a graphic novel in this, in like the the way like a comic book or whatever it is. It's kind of a novel with with some pictures, like an illustrated novella. Thank you. An illustrated young adult novella is what this course, kind of sounds like. Of course, of course, yeah. you would know how to phrase yeah. that. Of course, yeah, under forty thousand words uh, with illustrations uh, designed for a young adult audience. Is that what a novella is? Under forty thousand words. Yeah, I mean, it's all very flexible. Yeah, Hem- Hemingway has a thirty-three thousand word book that people call a novel, Old Man of the Sea. Mm. Do what you want. Stephen King has novellas that are definitely the size of fucking normal books. <laughs> yeah, his novellas are like one thousand pages like, long. I just popped out a little novella. It's three hundred pages, mate. <laughs> that is short for him. Like yeah. you could, uh, you can, uh, yeah, replace like entire walls of your house with Stephen King novels. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, adapted from yeah. Uh, the, the the novel. I mean, straight up, we've got Christopher Macquarie. Yes, top build, yeah. but last on as well. Oh, we should say it's it's Hiroshi uh, Sakurazaka oh. who who wrote All yes. You Need Is Kill. Yes, yes, Christopher Macquarie. Yes. yes, yes, and then we've got the Butterworth brothers. Okay, as I'm calling them. Okay, I don't. I don't actually know if they are any relation, but yeah, I would are. be incredibly surprised yeah. if they weren't. No, they are. They are. Jez, Jez and John Henry. Yeah, Jez and John Henry Butterworth. Yeah, yeah. Who wrote uh, Ford v Ferrari? Right. Yes. Yeah. Or um, Le Mans '66. If you are a cultured European man. Cultured. Yes, of course. And Black Mass. They wrote Spectre. Yeah. Um, and the upcoming Indiana Jones sequel. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> I saw some uh, pictures of uh, the Indiana Jones sequel on, on Twitter this week, and uh, yeah. I mean, he looks like Indiana Jones. He, so, he looks like a, a grumpy old Harrison Ford, which so is I'm, exactly what that character is. I'm immediately interested because he just looks yeah. like Indiana Jones. Yeah, can't wait. Um, and, and Adam, Ford v Ferrari, Le Mans 66, it's a good film. It's a Best Picture nominated film. It's a good yep. film. James Mangold, I've got, I'm getting more hope for this film as as we learn more about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's going to be really good. You know, maybe it's going to be really, really good. Maybe we should do Harrison Ford. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what yeah. happens. Who who's in this this bloody film, Tom? Wow, we've got Tom Cruise as Cage. <laughs> Sadly, not Nicholas Cage, which would no. have been slightly better if he'd been. Major Nicholas Cage. <laughs> what is his name? What is his first name? We don't know. Do we know? Cage. Okay, Cage. Cage. Major Cage. Cage. Cool. Major Cage. Uh, <laughs> and then Emily Blunt as Rita, for uh, little bitch. Yeah, uh, the Angel of Verdun. Um, yeah. What has she done at this point, right? Because I, I, I'm trying to work out where this is in her filmography. She kind of starts on like British TV. Ob, because she's a British actress. She's yeah. slightly in The Devil Wears Prada. She's in Dan in real life a little bit. She was very surprisingly turns up in Charlie Wilson's War. Um, and then, okay, here we go. So Gulliver's Travels, Nomeo and Juliet, 
Sure. Oh, good Christ. Uh, the Adjustment Bureau. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that's The fine. Hat movie. That exists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Salmon Fishing in the Yemen with Ewan McGregor. I remember her in that. Uh, she's in The Muppets. She's in The Five-Year Engagement. Oh, of course, she's in Looper. Right, so she kind of finds right. her way into sci-fi. She's in uh, The Adjustment Bureau and then Looper and then Edge of Tomorrow all within the space of, of three years. Yeah, I guess when I first saw this film, I didn't really know who Emily Blunt was. This will have been my first time going, oh, that's Emily Blunt. Uh, yeah. And then the next year, she's in Sicario, and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. Emily Blunt. Yeah. Because Sicario is like fucking it's a very good film. fantastic. Um, and then, of course, she's in A Quiet Place, and then she returns as Mary Poppins. Um, and then. She's in A Quiet Place Part 2, which I haven't seen, yeah. to be honest with you. It's um, good. It's is good. it? Is yeah. it? Those yeah. movies are stupid, though, aren't they? Doesn't matter. They're good. They're, but they're stupid, though. I they can't can be get stupid past, and good. I can't get past the premise, to be honest with you. What, what's wrong with the premise? Come on. Live, live near the waterfall. Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to argue against that, yeah. 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 But, uh, it's a good source of yeah. water. You can probably fish there. Yeah. That would be great. I think that's still a fine premise of, you know, things can happen and you have to leave the waterfall. Yeah, absolutely. But They've got I... kids and kids are fucking idiots. Every time you've got a situation like that, the kid does something stupid and you have to go and save the kid. I refuse to believe that it didn't occur to them. You know, look, they know, they know that the monsters are attracted to sound, right? Yeah. Um, just put uh, a radio in an old abandoned mine. <laughs> they'll yeah, they'll wander they get... into the mine, and then you close up the mine. Done. Adam, there, yeah. there's an entire alien invasion. There's, you're only <laughs> going to get a few. I reckon you could get them all into one got, mine. You haven't got that many batteries and that many radios, mate. He has that fucking whiteboard that says there's three of them. They know how many there are. You can fit three of them in a mine. It's not a problem. In their local area, Adam. Yeah, and that's all they need. They can live in their local area free of aliens if they just stick three of them in the mine. I think I think maybe you need to watch the film again, Adam. She was in Jungle Cruise as well, a film. Yeah, that's got that, the rock in it. A film that, to put it bluntly, Tom, I enjoyed. It... I didn't not enjoy it, put it that yeah, way. It's good. Like, it, it exists, and I liked it was it. fine. Yeah. Uh, and she's going to be an Oppenheimer. I, 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 really like, uh, I really like Emily Blunt. I think she's really yeah. good. She's really good in a and lot I, of things. I, Adam, I like to think that she's off screen in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as the Invisible Woman, i.e. John Krasinski's wife. Why? Because she's mentioned, and the fans want it. So why and, not? If you're and, gonna put John the, Krasinski on the, the only film, thing of value in those films is the stunt casting of it, isn't it? So yeah, you would just yeah. you'd put John Krasinski's real wife as the fake yeah. wife character because that's yeah, the exactly. only thing if, if, that, that's the only thing that Marvel can do of any value is connect dots, right? They can just go like yeah. uh John Krasinski, uh wife, uh Emily Blunt, and there you go, that's like the whole movie, right? I feel like at least certainly that scene of that film, that's exactly what they thought and that's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. And so if they if they were to go, oh, we need another character and it's going to be Invisible Woman, obviously they would have got Emily Blunt to do a five-second cameo. 
you're winding me Job up. Done. We're talking about the MCU again. I'm getting yeah. I'm getting upset. Okay, let's move okay. on. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bill Paxton as Master Sergeant Farrell. Bill Paxton, who is chewing up all of the scenery when he's on screen. He is yep. playing it so big. He is. No one else is playing at that level. I no know. one else is playing like a caricature. <laughs> yeah, and he goes in going, I'm going to be an American sergeant. I'm from, I'm from Kentucky. Science Hill, yeah. Kentucky. Uh, I am an American. I'm from Kentucky. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. He's exactly yeah. what the film like, needs at that point. Uh, he's, he's passed away now, hasn't he? He um, sadly passed away. He passed away about five years ago. Uh, such a shame because he's just that guy that was kind of in loads of stuff, right? And especially yeah. loads of stuff from when we were growing up, like Apollo 13, right? Um, yep. And Twister. Remember he's in Twister? And he's yep. in Titanic as well. Um, and, you know, when, when you start Alien, getting into... Aliens? That's the thing, yeah. When you start watching older yep. films, he's in Aliens. He's the guy that goes, um, it's game over, man. Game over. Game man. over. <laughs> yeah. He's and, great. Uh, Adam, do you know what else he's in? What? He appeared in a few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why? Why would we Arguably, bring it back? Debatably MCU canon or not. Who knows anymore? But uh, I just thought I'd bring that up for your own personal benefit. He was also in well-being. Thunderbirds. He was in Thunderbirds, wasn't he? And a film that I went to see at the cinema called Vertical Limit. Do you remember that? No. You don't remember Vertical Limit? Look no, up Vertical Limit right now. It's about, it's absolutely uh, ludicrous. It's about a climber, right, who gets trapped at the top of K2, which is one of the world's biggest mountains, okay? Oh, I know, Adam. There's an Indian restaurant around the corner called K2 Balti. Okay, great. And <laughs> that's how you know. Good. And, yeah. And, uh, and the, the plan to rescue them... Okay, they send up a rescue team, and the plan seems to be let's blow up the mountain. Um, and the the way, the thing that they take to blow up the mountain is one of the most volatile substances uh, on the planet. Apparently, it can't see sunlight; it can't be moved too violently. But of course, they've got to climb a mountain with it on their backs. Oh, it's an incredible movie! It's an Could incredible honest, Adam, movie. Yeah, it sounds like those people should be left to die. No, because it's bloody Bill Paxton, isn't it? And it stars yeah. Scott Glenn, Chris O'Donnell, uh, Robin Tunney, yeah? Uh, and I'm sure that there's someone from this movie in it. I'm sure that Noah Taylor is in it. And he's actually not, because I think the person that I'm thinking of is Ben Mendelsohn, okay? Who was okay. in Captain Marvel. There you go, Tom. That's what he's in. Yep. That's how you know Thank him. You. Well, you're welcome. Yep. Bill Paxton. I'm sure... I'm Love sure. It. What's the name you just mentioned? Noah Taylor. No Taylor. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to turn up in a Marvel project within the next three years. You know he will. Has he not? Is he not? In I a... feel like he already has. It, surely, surely. I he feel is. like he has. He's in Paddington too. Is that part of the MCU? <laughs> it could be. Um, I'd love Paddington not... to turn up in Kang Dynasty. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh he's been in loads of films that I like Noah Taylor. We might as well move on to Noah Taylor now. Uh sure. he's in Almost Famous, which is excellent. Obviously we've seen him before because he was in uh in Vanilla Sky, 
with Tom Cruise. Uh, yes. Um, he was in The yes. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He's in The Proposition. Uh, he's in Submarine, an excellent British movie directed by Richard Ayoade. Yep. Uh, he's in The Double. Um, and he's in Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, he's, he's another one of those guys that just sort of crops up in places, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's again he's he's a face that I recognize. Yeah. Uh, but can't necessarily pinpoint where I know him from. This, you know him from this, I reckon. I do know him from this though, yeah. 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 And uh, I think I think also, there's one other person worth mentioning and I wonder if we've got the same one. Is it Mad Eye Moody? <laughs> Please don't call him that. <laughs> Mad Eye Moody as General Brigham. <laughs> Oh, uh, Brendan Gleeson, who is yes. Domhnall Gleeson's dad, and Domhnall Gleeson's in Star Wars, Tom. He's in the new Star Wars movie. Yes. That's how you know Brendan Gleeson's, because his son is in the Star Wars movies. Is that helpful He's for you? also His son is also in Harry Potter. Okay. Well, isn't he in Harry Potter? Yeah, they're all in Harry Potter. They're Everyone's British in actors. Harry Potter. We're, we've, yeah. we're all, we've all been in Harry Potter, mate. We've, we've all been, been in Harry an Potter. extra in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gleeson has been around for ages and he's another person who is excellent in everything okay uh, would you agree with that or would you disagree with that i would generally agree with that mm. uh he was also in mission impossible 2 2 yes yes he can still be good in it even if the film's bad he was fine uh yep. he was in 28 days later he was in gangs of new york oh, um, 28 days later oh. that's a good film yeah that's a good film uh, he's in Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, he's, I mean, he's potentially uh, up for an Oscar this year, right? Uh, oh, for, for the Banshees of Inner Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. But although I, I imagine that the performance from that movie that they're pushing is Colin Farrell, because Colin Farrell mm. is just insanely good in the Banshees of Inner Sharon. Have you seen the Banshees of Inner Sharon, Tom? No. Come on, Tom. Sort it out. We ran out of time. Yeah. My wife what? and I ran out of time to see it along yeah. with other films. Yeah, you ran out of time. Yeah. You saw Black Adam, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw Black Adam by myself. <laughs> right. But you and saw, I said you... to Jenny, we would yeah. see that film together, and then we ran out of time. Right. Did see Black Adam, though. Yeah. You made, you made time to get that in. But by myself, yes. Okay. Well, I wouldn't subject good. my wife to Black Adam. Sure. Fair enough. Um, also I wouldn't in... subject anyone. To Black Adam, to be fair, <laughs> and of course he's in in, in Bruges uh, and Paddington Two Great film. as well. Paddington Two, Great film. he plays Knuckles McGinty. So yeah, <laughs> Paddington Two is a fantastic film. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Anybody who like is cynical about Paddington Two can get the fuck out of my life. I reckon I, either Paddington film because the other one has oh, the friend of the podcast Paddington. Well, Paddington is, of course, a friend of the podcast. <laughs> friend of the podcast, yeah. Wait, who's it about? Nicole Kidman. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> we, we, I only ever really the Kidman Vidman admin. 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 We're still the Kidman Vidman admin. I I always use friend of the podcast exclusively for people who. Uh, have been on the podcast, and I was like, right. which of the our fucking guests have been in Paddington? Um, <laughs> anyway, we should try and get Paddington on the podcast. Actually, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd mm. be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I mean, we're an audio-only format, Adam, and let's be honest, it's probably quite a a relatively easy format for us to get Paddington on. (laughs) We don't need a budget. We just need a contact detail. Yeah, that's true. We just need to get Ben Whishaw. What would Ben Whishaw be doing on a Tom Cruise podcast? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. This film seemed to be passed around a lot of writers once the rights to the Japanese novel were, were picked up. Brad Pitt was approached yeah. before Tom Cruise to star in it. Doug Lyman signed up because he wanted to direct a movie featuring a role Tom Cruise had never played, which is someone who is very bad at what they do, which I thought was quite a funny quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, Roberto Orci and Alex Kurtzman were hired to rewrite it. Uh, they wrote Mission Impossible 3. And then the Butterworths uh, were hired... <laughs> Um, but then, eight weeks before filming, it wasn't quite there. So who does Tom Cruise bring in? Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, yeah, Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. Uh, Cruise actually very specifically wanted to bring in a bit more humour. He wanted to make it a bit more fun because a lot of the the, the scripts to that date had been quite dark, quite bleak. Right. And he really wanted to push the fact that he saw it as a comedy. He likened it to Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. Um, Cruz said he found it really fun coming up with new ways to kill himself. Uh, yeah. And I have to say, I think that's absolutely the right call. Yeah. To like milk this sort of like the setup for, for the humor in it. Well done. Well done, Mr. Cruz, I reckon. Um, yeah. And then having Macquarie approach it as a comedy on the back of Tom Cruise's uh, suggestion, it helped a lot because they started filming this film without the ending. They didn't have it written. Um, previous endings was been... was it not in the book? Uh, it has the the book has a different ending. Um, okay. Uh, and there were numerous endings, sort of like bandied around, including one where the aliens learn how to reset the day again, and the plan just fails. There were a lot of like harsh endings that were written, right? Um, but approaching it as a comedy meant that Macquarie could end it like a comedy, and comedies typically end where they began. They like they tend to go back to like some kind of equilibrium, which gave him the idea to literally end the movie where it begins. Um, yeah. So yeah, so approaching it with a, with a bit more fun idea sort of seemed to really help them. Cruise began pre-production on this film in the same week that he wrapped filming on Oblivion. He literally... Well, like back we back. discussed this, didn't we, about yeah. how Tom Cruise doesn't like holidays. He doesn't take days <laughs> off a holiday is starting a new film. Macquarie was, was writing it while he was still directing the post-production on Jack Reacher. So... Jesus. That's crazy, isn't it? Um... Imagine being Cruz and Macquarie being like, oh, yeah. so I'm just going to pop off and, uh, and make Oblivion. And if you could have the script ready by the time I've finished that so I can start this. Cool. See yeah, later. no, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it's a crazy way of, of working. Um, it reminds me of the, the famous anecdote of Steven Spielberg, who like uh, during the evening would be editing Jurassic Park and during the day mm. was filming Schindler's List. Uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy way to work. Um, this film, Edge of Tomorrow, it's a big production, right? Like, the yeah. beach, for instance, is actually an indoor set, uh, which Jesus. you wouldn't necessarily assume. It, it, you know, it looks like they're outside, I would say. 
Um, yeah. And Doug Lyman's style as a director is very much to kind of figure it out as you go. Okay? Uh, right. The beach filming, all of the filming on the beach was scheduled to last two weeks and lasted three months. Which is crazy. After filming had wrapped, they'd finished principal photography. Then they cast Jeremy Piven. Uh, and they filmed additional scenes with a new character played by Jeremy Piven, who is not in the movie. <laughs> because the scene... Yeah, I, was, I was thinking, so, so <laughs> yeah. who's this guy? The additional scenes just were never put in. They, they, they started up filming again to shoot stuff that was never put in the movie. So it's all quite flying by the seat of your pants kind of thing. What does that mean? <laughs> I've said it because it's a phrase. You fly by right. the seat of your pants. What does that mean? Like, um, like I know what it means because I've just used it, but what does the literal... I don't know. Flying on the seat of my pants. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm Come trying, on, you're I'm a writer, so many different... It doesn't mean I know what the origin... The... <laughs> etymological <laughs> origins of a phrase <laughs> i like i mean uh, pants is probably going to be american so we need trousers the seat of the pants i imagine it's going to be some sort of aviation term but i still can't it maybe it's the g-force or something so you're barely even touching this actual seat of the trousers or sorry of the of the of the plane i don't know adam i'm spitballing on air and i don't know no idea no idea the film was originally called all you need is kill uh yeah Apparently, people were quite negative on that, and Doug Lyman wanted to call it "Live, Die, Repeat," uh, which was used as the tagline instead. Uh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow, not a good title. No, don't know what. And it means. I, I remember us talking vaguely after you know release of this film about how they essentially remarketed the DVD and Blu-ray as "Live, Die, Repeat." Yes, the tag the tagline was printed larger than the title. Yeah, so it looked and, like and the if, film was called "Live Die Repeat." Yeah, yeah, and if if you watch it on like Amazon Prime or whatever, it's called "Live Die Repeat." Yeah, colon Edge of Tomorrow. There was a which a, is not its name, Adam. It's not its, it's name. Edge of Tomorrow. It's Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Um. It, it, there's a little. There was a little rebrand, which we'll get onto. When we get onto it, uh, you'd seen it before. The film opens. Yep. Do you know what? Weirdly, right? We're recording them on the same night. This and Oblivion. They open. They're both sci fi movies. They're both sci fi action movies. They're both sci fi action movies starring Tom Cruise. They open in similar ways or with similar conceits, which is that yep. they need to communicate to the audience everything that has happened outside of the movie so that they can just get to the movie as quickly as possible. But here, it's done so much better than yes. Oblivion. Like, Oblivion is just done with voiceover and just, you know, this is what happened, let's get on with it. And this is, like, edited newsreel of, like, what's been going on, which is that... yeah. In 2015, and again, Tom, this didn't happen. We know this didn't, didn't happen. happen, okay? Didn't happen. But in 2015, aliens called Mimics arrived in Germany via an asteroid and swiftly conquered most of continental Europe. Um, and by 2020, which is when this film is set, and again, Tom, we know it didn't happen. 
We know it didn't, didn't happen. happen. 2020, the United... An allegory for the pandemic. It might have been. might have been. Mm. The United Defence Force, a global military alliance established to combat the alien threat, they've just achieved a victory over the Mimics at Verdun using these newly developed mech suits. And Tom Cruise plays Major Cage, who is... A PR person, right? Yeah. Before the invasion, he was starting up an an ad agency, which had to close because of the war. And now he does PR for the army. And his job was to go on the news and sell, you know, sell the war, basically. Convince people to sign up. Which is what we see. It's what we see in the intro. We see real world historical footage of various things. And then uh, Brendan Gleeson and um, Tom Cruise are kind of spliced in. Yeah. Uh, and, and and they're talking about these machines that they have, and they're like exosuits, and they're going to make yeah. sure that you know we win the war because there was a huge victory in in Verdun using these uh, suits, and you know you should sign up for the army because you barely even have to think about what you're doing. You know you, these machines will do it all for you, and we're definitely, definitely, definitely going to win. And then General Brigham, played by Brendan Gleeson, calls in uh, Major Cage, William Cage. That's it. His name's Bill. Oh, um, sure. He he wants him to cover the invasion, to go over there and film it, despite having no combat experience. Um, and he, he's not happy about that, is he? He's not. We're getting some real nervous cruise energy here, and and like so, also uh... like also like cocky piece of shit energy as well. Yeah. Where he's where he's saying like he can't stand the sight of blood and like starts laughing at himself, but General Brigham just like stares him down. Uh, yeah. yeah, already so much more of a performance than Oblivion. Yes, like you get an actual genuine sense of the character in the first five minutes that he's on screen, which is that's what we that's what we want for Tom Cruise. What we love about Tom Cruise, he's really good at very quickly communicating uh, a character. I think. Um, he tries to bargain with him. Uh, he tries to blackmail him. Yeah. He tries to get out of it. And this is my one... I honestly have... I have two or three issues with what I think is a fantastic film, okay? And the biggest one is why is he so insistent that he go over and, and do this thing? Yeah, it does seem an odd decision to send a uh, a PR major, mm. a specialist in getting more people to go over there, uh, onto the front lines when there are definitely more capable people to go on the front lines. My like assumption... We're, immediate- we're yeah. immediately introduced to Bill Paxton's character. He's He's more than capable. There must be loads of Bill Paxtons out there. Well, my assumption is that General Brigham is so certain that they're going to win that he doesn't genuinely think that any harm will befall Major Cage. Because you've got to remember that the attack is a surprise. The attack is to cross the channel and fight them on the beaches of France, hence the the D-Day allegory thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's just D-Day. But the enemy isn't supposed to know that they're coming. Um, so sure. when we get there and they're ready for them, it's a big surprise. Um, so I guess he thinks no genuine harm will befall him. And then when he sees what a coward Tom Cruise's character is, he gets fucked off with him 
and puts him down to actually fight, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a leap, isn't it? It's yeah, it, it's also the fact that I mean he gets arrested as soon as he leaves and there's quite a funny sequence of him being like, "What no?" Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then waking up you know in the ba- essentially outside the barracks on at Heathrow. Yes. Um but yeah, it's a bit bizarre. It's just like, well, you don't need to like drug him to well, they, they like tase, they tase him, they tase yeah, him they tase which apparently also knocks him out to such a point that you can then <laughs> just drop him in Heathrow on a pile of sacks, and he'll be like, you know, he'll just well, wake only, up. And be like, it's only what? like an hour away, I guess. Like, yeah, I didn't have sure. that much trouble with that. It's just the why so insistent of like, it seems quite petty. I didn't completely buy it, but it is a small yeah. moment to get basically just get us to the fun stuff, isn't it? Yes, and I. Yeah, yeah. The reason that Bill Paxton, who is the commanding officer that he bumps into at Heathrow, the reason that he's playing it so large, I'm now thinking, is because, spoiler alert, it's a time loop movie. And what you have to do is create very, very memorable things so that the audience can spot when you're repeating something, right? Yeah. So you have the guy that wakes up Tom Cruise at Heathrow going, get on your feet, maggot. You know, uh, that kind of thing. And then you have Bill Paxton going, I'm from Kentucky. It's uh, like, so it's very yeah. memorable stuff. And the way that he talks and, you know, talking about being proven in the fires of combat and all of all of that stuff is to lodge it in your brain. Anyway, he gets introduced to, uh, he's he gets introduced to J-Squad and he's been falsely labeled a deserter, I guess, and stripped of his rank. Yeah, a deserter and an impersonator of a major. Yes, that's right. Yes, which is unfair because at this point he hasn't even said he's a major to anyone really. So, well, didn't he say he's an officer? He did say he was an officer. Yeah, he does. He introduced himself as yeah. officer, like Major Cage. Yeah, major, major. But, but he is. <laughs> but he is a major. But he is. Yeah. But you know. So yeah. Yeah. Who's really breaking the rules, Adam? Well, indeed. It is frustrating. You're supposed to be yeah. on this guy's side, and it's frustrating that he's now got to go over and fight a war. But at the same time, yeah. he's such a coward that you're like... It's good. It's a good little like mixture of feelings you get about him. But, um, Adam, I've kind of worked in marketing, and do you think I'd survive very long in a war? Because I don't think I would. I, I reckon you're a bit tasty, Tom. I reckon you could. Yeah. I reckon you oh, would. I reckon you'd I'm be all right. I'm not a bad shot. Not yeah. a bad shot. Well, how I get you, mimics. Really? I think I'd get destroyed. But well, you know, this is the thing: is like you find out the only reason they had such an overwhelming uh, victory at Verdun is because um, Emily Blunt's character was able to reset the day the same way as yeah. Tom Cruise's character. Uh, but th- that would have appeared to everybody else as though she was just this incredible <laughs> warrior. So I reckon yeah. you you would stand a chance if you could reset the day, Tom. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um. He meets J-Squad, and they all dislike him. And then they're sent into the D-Day landing sort of thing. Um, There's loads of good character stuff with J-Squad. It's fun. Um, They all die so quickly in the first first invasion. That is... the uh, I don't remember anyone's name. I'm going to be honest. I, no. in, in in my cast list, I've got assorted others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the guy who goes goes in balls out, as yeah. it were. Yeah, uh, getting crushed by the plane very seconds funny. upon arriving. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, very very funny. Um, and uh, and then Tom Cruise's death is horrible. 
Like his yeah. face being burned by the alien blood or whatever. Like dissolving. It's like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a, genuinely alarming. It's and then sub- he wakes up. Yeah. He wakes up back at Heathrow. And you're like, oh my God. So it's, it's a time loop movie. Yeah. And do you know what's great about watching this film with someone who, d- like, it, watching oh, this film who with doesn't someone know. who doesn't know? Yeah. Jenny didn't know. I just said, genuinely, this yeah. is the one Tom Cruise movie of like basically 20 years that I am going to insist that you watch with me. Yeah. Because she's seen the Mission Impossible ones. So that's sure. done. Right. I said, just watch it. You'll really enjoy it. And she had no idea. And suddenly Tom Cruise blows up with a landmine strapped to his chest. And <laughs> yeah. then we see a shot of his terrified, melting, dying face. And then, yeah. like, oh, I've woken up again. And she's like, what the? What? That's what's what great about this here? film is how many other films can you watch Tom Cruise die? None, because he's always the hero that is yeah. like impervious. We were talking about Night and Day, where it looks like he's been shot and he falls off the bridge, but then you just spend like 20 minutes of the movie waiting for Tom Cruise to come back. Whereas yeah. here, you can just watch him die again and again and again. And it like the stakes are pretty minimal because you can reset the day, but it also means that he could die at any moment. Which is what yeah. makes it so fun. There's, there's like tension in that. And the different ways and, they and, come and up talking, with to, to kill him are great. And talking about stakes, we get the same thing in Interview with a Vampire, where, you see what I did there? Yeah. See what good. I did there, Adam? It's good, yep. yeah. Um, where like even then, like he'll die halfway through the film. And even though he's not arguably the main character of that film, mm. you still expect him to come back because he's so pivotal to like the yeah, charisma yeah. of the film. So like, yeah, to, to have a film where Tom Cruise is not only dying over and over again, but is playing that incompetent nervousness yes. in a film where you would expect him to be incredibly masterful of everything he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is exactly. Like very refreshing. Yeah, exactly. You get to watch him learn like he's shit at everything from the get-go and you get to like watch him learn and i think what's like i think with some time loop movies they can get a bit tedious because you're watching the same thing again and again and again and you're watching characters make incremental changes but the way that this film is structured and a lot of this has got to be christopher mcquarrie to be honest who i think is excellent at writing scripts like this where there's a lot of moving parts a lot of that is like choosing which bits of the day to show us when so like there's some bits of the day that he repeats that you know he's done 200 times but we're seeing the 201st one and that's the first time we've seen it um yeah and it's just a way that like keeps it really really fresh because it keep they keep changing how that's used because at first it's confusion and just about survival and all the different ways that he could die and then it's trying to get in contact with rita who he sees as an incredible warrior. And then it's trying to escape the day before the invasion, trying to escape from like personal training or convince um, Sergeant Farrell that he's in a time loop and all of that stuff. Um, and then it's a training montage where he's voluntarily being killed. Like that, yeah. that, that bit where he's like, I think I broke something. And she's like, what have you broken? He's like, my back. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. all he's I- sort of just like yeah. his head's tilting, just like, <laughs> and then there's one where he's broken his leg, and he's like, "No, I'm fine, I'm fine," and he shoots it, and she shoots him in the head. Um, I like the way he's like, "No, I'm fine, I'm, I'm gonna go." Yeah, I'll just do it. <laughs> <laughs> or when he's he, the first time he tries rolling under the truck to like the, get out the of the press up, and he's just. 
<laughs> the rolling under the truck one is my absolute favourite because you still, even though you know he can die and come back to life, you don't expect him to have such a shit death. Like you at least yeah. expect a Tom Cruise movie to have like heroic deaths, but he just ro- accidentally rolls under the wheel of a truck. That's great. And he looks confident enough doing it that you kind of think <laughs> yeah, this must be like exactly. the tenth time. Like, yeah, this, isn't exactly. the bi- this is the bit we're just going to cover until he does the death and just roll immediately. <laughs> and and that's why it never feels stale. And then there's bits of the movie where you think you are seeing the first instance of something. You know, there's a bit yeah. where they get off the beach. They hijack a car. They get as far as they can to a place where there's a helicopter. And you think, okay, this is the first time we've seen this. It must be the first time that they're there. And then he knows how she takes her coffee. And it's a really nice reveal that, like, they've done that. He's done that numerous times. And he's becoming to, like, he's getting to like that person. And, And that's where she always dies. And he can't get past that. I mean, it's kind of like a video game, isn't it? He's he's reached a bit yeah. of the level that he can't get past, so he, he wants to keep resetting to find different solutions. Because the main thing is, like, he finds her, and because she had this at Verdun but no longer has it, um, she understands what's going on. Um, and he's getting visions of where the thing called the Omega is. Now, big sci-fi plot point, Whatever. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing as the Tet from Oblivion, where I'm just like, it's okay. It's the massive MacGuffin. Yeah, it's the it's whatever. Just, but yeah. the getting to that MacGuffin is so fun in this movie that everything yeah. is forgiven. And like, there's even heists and stuff in this movie. Um, yes. So, over many, many more loops, uh, he gets like better and better and better. Um, and but at one point gets a bit frustrated and just choose he just uses one of his days to escape into central London, doesn't he, and have a pint in a boozer. Yeah, I, I quite like that. Just yeah. going to a, have like, a pint. Fuck it, I'm going to take this loop uh, as a you know to myself. I'm going to have I'm going to take a sick yeah. day on this one. That, that's such a like risky option though, isn't yeah, it? Because it'd be yeah. like I'm going to go to a pub and not go to war, which means I won't die. Which mm. means that the only way I can reset this and have any hope of humanity surviving is to shoot myself in the face at some point. I imagine he's used to it by that point, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but, he does, but I, uh, I still imagine shooting oneself in the face is going to be much harder than accepting somebody else shooting you in the head from a distance. Yeah, that's true. Especially in England, where we, there aren't any guns lying about for general yes, use. That's a good point. But then he is in the he's army. Very, he's very uh, fortunate you know. that the mimics come up the Thames and choose well, to attack thing, him on the bridge. They, uh, yes, th- while the invasion is is happening over in France, the the mimics are like flanking us and invading London. Is is what he finds out. So that yeah. kind of. He's back on the mission now. And the, the Omega is the thing that resets the day, isn't it? Yeah. Which is controlled by the Alpha. But when he ingested some of the Alpha's blood, he got the ability as well. But he can only reset the day by dying. Yeah. The visions that he's having show him where the Alpha is. It's in Germany. And when he goes to find the Alpha, it's actually a trap. It's not there and he deliberately drowns himself, which is yeah. alarming. Because... Yeah. Though another option, if, he'd, if there hadn't been mimics in the Thames, he could have just jumped off the bridge and drowned in the Thames. Yeah, sure. There's loads of options. There's, there's loads of ways to die. Um, 
the thing is, like the the alpha doesn't try and kill him. It tries to make him bleed out because yeah. if he the, that's like one of the rules, right? If he loses all the blood in his body, he loses the power. That's what happened to Rita, yeah. who is being helped by Noah Taylor as a scientist. In, I mean, he's great in it. That scene where he first hears that that's what's happening and in order to reset the day he's got to die Cruz's delivery of him going like okay first of all great presentation i love your presentation <laughs> like that's that's such a funny scene uh having yeah. this film as a as a comedy is such a good decision for the film um where did we get to right if he bleeds out i mean there's some dark stuff in there as well because rita makes reference to the fact that like she was dissected and put yes. in put in psych wards and stuff yeah she's she says the best thing that will happen to you will be you know psych ward if if unlucky dissection yeah. uh and then later on like he he says something and she says yeah psych ward or dissection and it's like oh you're not talking about theoretically yes you've actually been dissected and dissected. been stuck in a psych ward for a while yeah, yeah. grim 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 um the next bit of the plan, once they realise that that was a trap, they need to get back to the Ministry of Defence uh, and do a little heist where they talk to... It's a really good scene, actually, with the, the scene with Colonel Brigham where he's telling him like what papers are going to be brought in and the Secretary's birthday and all of that classic like time loop stuff. Um, yeah. They need to get this. It's another MacGuffin. They need to get this device which he will stab into his leg and show him where the actual... <laughs> Omega is, and then they can go after it. Yeah. Adam, can I point out to some little issues I had with this scene? Absolutely. Which I generally liked because I thought it was a fun scene. I didn't necessarily need the exposition that we, the audience, already knew repeated back to us as the audience because I know they're now telling um, the general about it. Yeah. But they're covering details we already know, mixed in with some fun little, oh, I know this about the secretary, I know that, whatever. Yes. And so from a, from a, I, I get why they have it, but it's a little bit like redundant to some extent. My other little issue, just from a logical standpoint, as soon as you've got the thing, you've got the, the MacGuffin for your MacGuffin. Use it. Stick it in your leg, and the second you know the information, Kill she yourself. shoots you in the head. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, this all goes wrong because they basically try to survive a situation they're obviously never going to survive. Well, they're never going to survive. Just cut to the chase. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I don't know why they get to the point where they have to crash when. They've already yeah, wasted the day anyway. True. I they, suppose... they have to reset the day in other because the, the invasion's already happened. London's about to be destroyed anyway. At that there point is of the somewhat day. of a time limit, though. They could, you know, if if the Omega turned out to be in London, they could destroy it in the same day. Do you know what I mean? That's like yeah, but the, you the could stronger still do it quicker. the you stronger the vision that he has, the less time they yeah. have for him to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, but yes, but, I agree. But, they, but they also trust him. They don't the head, know they that can... he's going to try and get it, like get him arrested and stuff, do they? Yeah, sure. And yeah, I, sure. But I, I mean, even at the point where they're in the car, yeah, he stabs it in the car. The second he has it, she should just turn around whilst driving the car and shoot him in the head. Yeah, that's Job true. Done. That is true. And then the next morning, all he has to do is turn up and go. It's in the Louvre, mate. But that's not what happens. He, no. uh 
he starts bleeding out. Don't they give him a blood transfusion in hospital because he there's a car yeah. crash and uh, he's lost the ability to loop time. And it's also and at I this like- point in the movie, it becomes a touch more generic from this point yes. onwards. It does lose some of its... Um, by, by the very nature of him losing his time-resetting yeah. powers, it becomes a much more generic alien, you, you know, you, marine versus alien bug hunt style. You lose movie. the thing that makes the movie special, basically, which is that, yeah. that ability. Um, and then they, they, they try and recruit J-Squad to help destroy the Omega before the invasion in France actually begins. And there's a standing... Uh, there, there's a standard action sequence to destroy the Omega, which they do. That I'm uh, Cruz and Blunt kiss, which I could have probably done without. Absolutely, could have done without. It yeah. was so obviously going to happen and not necessary. It's just it's such a such a good treatment of the 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 female character, it, even to the point where, like in previous versions of the script, um, there had been scenes where like in some of the training bits or where Cruz and Blunt would have been talking, Emily Blunt would have been in the bath or like taking a shower. And there was a scene where when she's fighting on the beach, she comes out of the exoskeleton thing and it's revealed that she fights in only her underwear. So now she's fighting a bunch of aliens in just her underwear. And then when Cruz and Macquarie come on board, they go, well, what what is that for? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. We'll take all of that stuff out. Why don't we just have her be a normal person who does normal things and happens to be a woman? And I feel like that is slightly undercut by the kiss at the end, you know? Yeah, it does feel like a kind of studio intervention of being like, we've got to have some romance element, some otherwise romance, we lose some of the audience. Know? Yeah, that's a that's yeah. an important important quarter of the quadrant and we need that. But wouldn't it have been good to have that romance? Uh, as a kind of subtext rather than overtly demonstrated. Like, she should, she could have so- shown some form of affection towards Cruz that she hadn't shown throughout the rest of the film in that last moment together where they might, might Which both die. Which she does. Like, over the film, she opens up and she tells him yeah. her middle name and shares some stuff about her and she becomes less hard around him. And then at the end, she thanks him and says, like, thank you yeah. for everything that you've done. Leave it there absolutely adequate and then they just pop a little kiss on the end don't know what it's for don't know what it's for have a have a bit of you know like she could touch his face or something like at this at this point yeah have a a touch his face yeah yeah stroke his face from top to bottom yeah just (laughs) clamp his face yeah you know what i mean like they've been they've gone from being very very frosty to kind of like getting to know the details of each other at this point there's been no physical contact between them at all yeah yeah, exactly you could have anything a touch on the shoulder anything that basically bridges the idea that like actually they've they're thawed out towards one another there's possibly more there if only they had more time yeah that's all you need you don't need a big disney kiss at the end no you don't and it's 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 a a lot of the last quarter of this movie is kind of where little bits of it start falling apart for me because so he he makes a big self-sacrifice he dives into the water where the omega is and like 
doesn't he like get swallowed by it or something? And then it's revealed that he left grenades and he does the War of the Worlds thing again, right? Yes, where he but not does, in his teeth. Yeah, where he, his teeth. he lets go of some grenade pins and it's like a big reveal. Um, it's it's the uh, the Alpha spears him from behind as he's swimming it. down. Yes. So he turns around having been, I guess, impaled or badly wounded. And then yeah. it's all like, ooh, which I love the, <laughs> the, the, the presumption that the Alpha... Uh, knows exactly what a grenade pin is. Yeah, he's like, oh like, my it's god! Like, oh shit, the human grenades. Like, well, you'd hope so. F- it, it can see the future, Tom. Like, <laughs> now, granted, they do point out that it's essentially one organism. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I assume the Omega probably does know what a grenade pin is. Exactly. Probably as a big jellyfish <laughs> glow ball thing at the bottom of the Louvre was probably like, oh fuck. <laughs> Oh, oh fuck! I'll move. <laughs> but yeah, ironic no, he, that he didn't reset the day at that point. I know, right? Um, You've well, got ten seconds, mate. Reset the day right now. <laughs> right, don't let him get to hit. Don't let him do this again. Where that's the thing, though. Yeah, it blows up, and he he dies because he's been impaled by one of the alphas. But then the alpha's blood gets kind of back into yeah. Cruz, and. The day resets again, but it resets where he is. Um, he wakes up on the helicopter on the way to yeah. see Colonel Brigham right at the beginning of the movie. Um, but instead of him bringing him to his office to say, you're going to go over to the front, he's watching him on TV say that the mimic activity has ceased following a mysterious energy surge in Paris. Um Cage goes to Heathrow. He's now a major again. He sees that J-Squad is still alive. And then he goes to find Rita Vratasky who doesn't recognise him at all. And Tom Cruise gives a Tom Cruise laugh, bit of a smile. Tom Cruise laugh and smile. Credits. Yeah. Now, the the choice of end credits song is truly unforgivable. Uh, (laughs) I can't stand that song at all. It's it's difficult to turn to somebody and go, good film, right? When that music suddenly kicks in. Yeah, it's insane. I need to know now. No, now. Will you love me again? Rubbish. It's it's the sort of thing where if you finish like a Resident Evil movie, it's going to suddenly kick in with like... Yes, Limp exactly. Biscuit or yeah. like Puddle of Mud or something. And you're like, oh, just no. You're even bringing yourself down at that point. Yeah. Resident Evil, you're bringing yourself down with <laughs> n- random new metal playing. But also... Have some creepy Saw-type music. <laughs> Stick to genre. Like, it winds me up. But also it compounds the ending in general into something... Like, there are other problems with the ending rather than just the end credit song. Like, the, the ending... Look, I get it. It makes enough logical sense to get by. I understand yeah, it's, it. It scrapes through the logic. Yes. But yeah. It doesn't really make emotional sense it's i it feels quite jarring like when he wakes back up on the helicopter you kind of go oh uh, okay fine i guess we need a happy ending um it didn't make emotional sense to me the narrative arc of someone who starts as self-serving like tom cruise's character is who's desperately trying to get out of the situation trying to bargain trying to blackmail from him to go to there to making the ultimate sacrifice which is him killing himself for the good of humanity that's a bit more compelling i think and yeah. a bit like the kiss i don't need the happy ending tacked on necessarily no like you could have the i'm not saying again not really saying this is necessarily better but if you really need to solidify the fact that 
his actions save humanity, mm. you can still have the, you know, the, the, the news day. report. Yeah, yeah, still do yeah, that. You, yeah. Just Tom Cruise isn't there. Yeah, exactly. Though, admittedly, that would be quite bleak that Tom Cruise dies and nobody is even mentioning him of any way. Like, he essentially <laughs> just wouldn't... He, he would be, he would have to essentially just die at the, the instant that the alien yeah. died. He would just die of a random heart attack in the helicopter. <laughs> no. No, because the day wouldn't reset. Remember, the day would not reset. Sure, okay. So, oh, so, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, he still would have gone. Yeah, he, his body would just be in the Louvre. But, no, but, but, but okay. But that still would have meant that he never would have been sent. See, this is where the logic falls apart because he never would have been sent out there in the first place. So he would have been alive. Yeah, no, he would have been. No, he would have been because the day hasn't reset, Tom. Right, but but the alien would have still died, right? Yeah. So the alien died. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, yeah, okay, he would st- he would just be dead. Yeah. But then, yeah. You've got to remember that it resets, yeah. but it resets to 24 yeah, 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 hours yeah. earlier than the other resets that we've seen. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. It, it, it's a new reset point because the... Uh, it's Look, anyway. It's because he lost that's, the ability and then yeah. regained the ability. Like, so that's somehow what I mean. that, that backdates. Yeah. <laughs> that backdates. It's not even that. It's just that it's the day before the invasion. It's So yeah. if, if it resets you, like... So like but 24 hours earlier or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I look. It's it, the same morning cuz cuz he ends up at Heathrow like an hour after. It makes enough logical sense to get by, but it's still a bit of a jarring ending. But I have yeah. to say it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I really like this movie. Um it utilizes a lot of the stuff that we like about Tom Cruise. Uh and it does push him into being a character that isn't instantly great at everything. So you get a lot of panicky Cruise performance. And I actually think that this is one of his better comedic performances as well. It's not as like um, the slightly embarrassing, cringe-inducing sort of stuff from Night and Day. There are funny moments in Night and Day and there are bits when Night and Day just doesn't land. And I think he's funny in Jerry Maguire, obviously. I think he's really funny in this. And it kind of reproves that he's got a really good comedic sense of timing like the the bit where they're where he's talking about have you tried all the ways of possibilities of like yeah. transmitting the thing uh and she's like oh do you mean sex and he's like yeah she's like yeah i've tried it and he's like how many times it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like pathetic <laughs> desperate it's like, so desperate how many times <laughs> He's he's really funny in this. I think it's a really good cruise performance. It's very entertaining. And also, whilst it's very entertaining and like a big blockbuster film, it does still feel a bit subversive and a bit novel and a bit new because it has that core mechanic that they're playing with the whole way through. It's a bit cynical and it's a bit earnest. I think it's really good. I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5, Tom. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I think if the film carried the same energy in its first half, it does dip. Yeah, yeah. If it, if it did that the whole time, it would be a four and a half. Uh, I think it kind of goes from a four and a half to a slightly more ver- not generic, but like heading towards that three and a half, maybe for the second half. Mm. Carried by Cruz's performance. Yeah, he is that, good in it. Yeah, the, the second half could definitely be any human versus alien movie yes if it weren't for tom cruise's performance in the film if you I swapped agree. him out for ryan reynolds it's very generic 
No. He's a good example, though. He's not. It's just like the Adam Project. That's too... <laughs> God, I haven't seen that yet. That's too much, like, that's too comedy action sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It, it's Tom Cruise's, like, genuine yeah. acting ability and comedic ability that carries the second half of the film. It's the it's um, the goo. It's the Cruise goo. Yeah. It's Ruse yeah. Cruise um, goo. Oh, God. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark, um, yeah. I'm giving it a f- uh, four stars. Lovely. Solid four. Lovely. Nice and close. Nice and close yes. to me, Tom. Cruiseness, I do actually think the energy of this lives and dies on Tom Cruise. I have to say, it would be, even with the mechanic, it would be a little bit more generic if it wasn't, you know, Cruise bringing the energy that is you expect him to be the perfect, all-American, good-at-everything star. And the fact that he's kind of subverting that does lend the film a bit of energy. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 for the cruise, I think. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Solid. I'm, I'm going to go slightly low. I'm going to give him a 7. That's fine. Uh, because I think it's a very good performance. Do you know what, Tom? I, really I don't liked... mind that. That's okay. No. It, it doesn't mind. It, it's a very it Tom Cruise performance. He brings his own unique stuff to that. Like I he said, does. he carries the film. But he hasn't climbed the Burj Khalifa. No, that's true. For he example. Mm. He didn't recreate actual D-Day with right-wing militia shooting at him on a beach. No, that's true. He did not. And he I'm, didn't do I'm that. Probably and I'm slightly I'm glad, glad he didn't. That. Yeah, I'm, probably... I'm, I'm glad he didn't. Let's not but mark him if, down for it. <laughs> no, but if we found out that he did do that to recreate the actual experience, would we be entirely surprised? Uh, no, I guess not. I guess not. No. No. Well, I I'd not. question his contacts. Yeah, but, exactly. You'd want to be scrolling through But not through necessarily his, his intentions. Seeing who he's talking to. Would you recommend yeah. it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great film. Yeah. Great film. Love it. Really Great good. film. Very expensive film to make. Was it? Yeah. How much do you think it cost? Well, I'm going to say... Well, actually, I say that. I have it written down, Adam. Why do you have it written down? I'm the details Because I did the details of the film. Why did you do the details of the film? Adam, it cost $178 million. <laughs> Why did you do it? Wait, what? Because I, I did all the writer and the release date and stuff. Why? I did that, didn't I? Oh, no, no. I did that. Okay. It's a different film. Fine. <laughs> Adam, you won't guess what the box office was. Was it about 370 million? It was approximately 370 million, Adam. Which is not what you'd expect from a film of this nature. Isn't it? Tom Cruise sci-fi action movie released in the summer. Adam, it's 2014. If you want a sci-fi movie with a a star that you'd slap into any sci-fi franchise, much like you will of Tom Cruise at this moment, you get Chris Pratt, put him in Guardians of the Galaxy. How much did that make in 2014? Uh, I don't know. How much? I don't know. <laughs> I'll have a look. Why did you bring it up as a slam dunk? If you- <laughs> I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Guardians of the you Galaxy. Said, you said this in the last episode, right? You said like, yeah. oh, you know, Chris Ooh. Pratt. Chris, <laughs> Chris Pratt, waning, yeah. uh, waning blockbuster star. Name the films in which he has been the sole reason for the film's incredible box office. Oh, no, I don't think there's any film. No, there isn't a single one. It's all IP. It's all brand IP. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I I guess what I'm saying is that he had massive success with, uh, like, Guardians of the Galaxy as a result of it being part of the MCU. Let me guess the Guardians of the Galaxy box office. Bearing in mind that at the time of this release, this was like a laughable, almost, IP 
because yeah. it was so recent in Marvel's pantheon and so unheard of. But it had it had quite good word of mouth, Iron Man. didn't it? It had quite good word it, of mouth. It did. It did. It was it was well received. It had good word of mouth. It's just a random, non-pre-existing IP essentially. Uh, six hundred. 773 oh, million. Okay, wow. Okay, I was going to say yeah. 750. That's a shame. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's more, it's double this, isn't it? Basically, yes. Yeah. That's, that's my main point is that that is just on the basis of that following the Avengers, basically, that has 770 million. This had what, 360? But remember that the last Tom Cruise film, excluding the Mission Impossible franchise, the last Tom Cruise film to take over 100 million domestically was War of the Worlds. It's 2005, nine years yeah. previous to this. And the box office in America for Edge of Tomorrow was a little bit lackluster, but it did cross 100 million. He did break that dry spell right. of the non Mission Impossible movies breaking over 100 domestically, but only just. He did it by $200,000. Um, so that domestic take was lower than you would think. But word of mouth and stuff, it had positive reviews. There's a sequel on the way, apparently, although Doug Lyman and Emily Blunt, they go back and forth on that about whether or not it's possible, whether or not the budget is feasible in a post-pandemic world. Um, And then, yes, as we talked about, because of that lackluster American box office performance, when it was released on DVD, the tagline was printed bigger than the title of the movie, uh, making yeah. it look like it was called Live, Die, Repeat, just on the off chance that the word of mouth on it or like people who have heard, oh, Edge of Tomorrow underperformed at the box office might look at the uh, case and go, well, that's not Edge of Tomorrow. That's Live, Die, Repeat. I might watch that. I've not heard of that, you know. That's such a desperate marketing strategy, though, isn't it? And it's just confusing as well. Hopefully people won't recognise the product we put out. It's not a good campaign. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's an an odd way of doing it. But um, I think it's kind of like... I I have only ever had a good time watching this movie. I think that's probably the the fifth or sixth time I've seen it. Because it's the third time I've logged logged it on Letterboxd. But I've only been on Letterboxd since 2018. So I, you know, I bought the steel the steelbook Blu-ray when it came out and everything. So I've definitely seen it loads and loads of times. It's probably one of my most watched Tom Cruise movies outside of, uh, you know, Jerry Maguire and whatever. You know, I fucking it was that week where I watched Jerry Maguire four times. It's having yeah. a bad week. I was having a bad week, Tom. I was worried about you, Adam. Were you? To be honest. Well, get yeah. ready. Get stay away from Letterbox tonight because I think I'm gonna watch it in a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I must get to that. I must get to that. Before we wrap up, though, it's obviously time for our long-running game. Only one of us is allowed to look at the IMDb trivia page for each movie, and this week it's me. I'm going to present Tom with three pieces of trivia. Only one of them is one that I've made up. He'll have to discern which one that is in Two Crews and a Lie. Okay, so money-wise, I owe you... One hundred and sixty-seven million seven hundred and seventy-two thousand one hundred and sixty. Can we please double or nothing it? Yep. Cool. I've done. I've sure. done loads of research on this. You, you know, look. It's. I've. I've cleverly seeded it by talking about something earlier that connects to it. Uh, so I think you might find this one pretty difficult. Number one. Tom Cruise spent over one hundred thousand dollars of his own money on a lavish rap party for the cast and crew. He did not himself attend as he was finishing some scenes for the movie. Okay. 
That's number That's one. Very generous of him. No, if true. He's a generous guy. If true. If Cruise. Number two. Tom Cruise didn't want the exosuits to be too CGI so it would be more real to the audience. He showed up two months early to personally help research and develop the suits that they would be, wear- be wearing in the movie. Some cruise mm. dedication. Some cruise Trademark dedication. Cruise dedication. Indeed. Number three. Okay. Originally greenlit as a sequel to Groundhog Day, Bill Murray was going to play the role that eventually went to Emily Blunt, however pulled out of the project when Cruise refused to remove the scene where they would kiss. um... We talked about why it was maybe included. Maybe it was Cruise's insistence because he wanted to kiss Bill Murray. Yeah, He just wanted to give Bill Murray a little kiss. Maybe that was his whole reason for making the movie, was to kiss Bill Murray. So unfortunate there wasn't any ice cream on set. <laughs> or something. Whatever it was that he said. To the yeah, well, like, it's back too, mad, too mad <laughs> to apply to any actual sentence. <laughs> Does he want ice cream? Does he not want ice cream? I we don't, don't know. I don't know. I think the main we'll thing he doesn't know. want is gay people standing there. Uh, yeah. Listen to last week's episode if you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Look, what are you saying, Tom? Um, difficult, difficult one this week, isn't it? Difficult one. Would you believe that I've actually seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, cool. I would believe that. It's a classic. It's just one of those films that I can imagine me not watching for some reason. <laughs> it's forever. one of those films. Hang on, hang on, what do you mean? It's one of those films that I can imagine me not watching. Yeah. What? So, yes. what? So, what are you doing? What are you imagine yourself doing when you imagine yourself not watching Groundhog Day? Well. You know how I haven't seen The Godfather Part 2? I yeah. know I'm going to appreciate it. Okay. But you're too busy yet... imagining yourself not watching other movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, sure. What are you saying, Tom? Um, Come on. Let's bring it home. I'm, let's just wrap it up. All right. I Number two. I don't think Bal Murray was ever attached to this film. Who's Bal Murray? Adam. Bal Murray. <laughs> Bal Murray. <laughs> Bal Murray. Bal Murray. <laughs> Bull Miriam. Stop it. Helen Bull Miriam was never attached to this film. Stop just saying words. Right, which one are you going for? Three's a lie, Adam. Yes, okay, fine. Well done. You've bullied it out of me. I owe you £335,544,320. Great. You happy? You happy now? Yep. Good. Yep. That's how and when we play Two Crews and a Lie. If I win next time, I'll have half a billion. <laughs> I've got it. I don't know what you're expecting the end game to be here because I've not got it. Avengers end game, Tom. That's for you, mate. Well done. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Come and let us know what you think of Edge of Tomorrow. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Cruise Views Pod. You can email cruiseviewspodcast at gmail.com if you want to send in something a little bit longer, maybe with some weird quotes that Tom Cruise has said to other people. Follow us on Letterboxd, Tom Ashford, Adam Glasspool. We're both there. Uh, I've got a photo of Tom Cruise. He's got a photo of Tom Ashford. It's all Toms. It's all Toms at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, And while you're doing that, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Mission Impossible Rogue Nation before next week's episode. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. (laughs) 